Hey, before we get into this episode today, I just wanted to let you know that we would greatly appreciate if you liked, subscribed, left a review, five stars, five testicles, whatever you want to call them on this podcast. That will help this podcast rank higher in search results so that in the future, anybody who's searching for resources when they've just been diagnosed or have just become a survivor or is a caregiver, they can find this podcast more easily and listen to your stories. Thank you so much. And let's get into the episode. The stories shared on It Takes Balls are unique to the individual sharing. Always speak with your trusted medical provider for treatment options specific to you. Welcome back to It Takes Balls podcast presented by Testicular Cancer Awareness Foundation. Today I'm joined by arguably who will probably be our fastest guest, at least in the water, Nathan Adrian. He's an Olympic uh, eight-time medalist, five gold, two silver, and one bronze. Did I get that correct? Two bronze and one silver. Close. Okay. Really close. Was, okay. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. So, hey, thank you for being here. My pleasure. So you are also a testicular cancer survivor, which people may or may not know. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And you will first talk about your, your swimming career. So you were on Team USA. You competed mm-hmm. in the Olympics. Tell me mm-hmm. about that. Yeah, I mean, I was fortunate. I just I had a wonderful dream of a career. Uh, you know, from a young age, I, I was exposed to fast swimming. Uh, I wasn't necessarily there yet myself. Uh, you know, I wasn't some child prodigy, but I was like pretty good. Uh, and that meant I could go to nationals and that meant that I could watch the child prodigies, uh, excel, you know, at at a super young age and then watch the people on the national team. Um, and that was, that was great. That was great for me to, to see and to just kind of plant that seed of big dreams. Um, and then from there, I was fortunate to be able to choose, uh, which, school I got to go to. Um, and I was looking at university of Texas, Auburn university, university of Arizona and Cal, uh, ultimately Cal down here in, uh, in, in Berkeley in the Bay area, one out for me, it was a great combination of both academics and, uh, and athletics. And yeah, I mean, I can, I can talk about this for hours, but basically, uh, you know, it was just a whole lot of kind of wash, rinse, repeat. It was setting high goals, trying to achieve those goals, Honestly, usually I'd fall short by, by some way, uh, shape or form, but you know, you set your goals high enough, uh, and then you fall short. That still means you're getting better. And, uh, and that's what always brought me back to the sport. And that's what I love about it. That's awesome, man. I mean, not many people can say they're Olympians. So that's, I mean, you're, you're crushing it. (laughs) Thanks. I mean, what is it like when you're making the team USA? You know, it's, it's, there is, uh, Honestly, it's fun. I'll probably say this when we, when we talk about cancer too, there's kind of this dual nature of, of time where it's just like, on one hand, you're just like, I have felt this, I have dreamt this, I have wanted this for so long. Um, you know, this is this unbelievably surreal moment. And then on the other side, it's also like, man, I, I, I've worked so dang hard for this. Like I deserve this, this you're, you're dang right. I'm on this podium, you know? (laughs) Um, so kind of both of those feelings happen at the same time. Uh, you kind of alternate back and forth between the two of them. I mean, certainly if there's one thing I've learned in the past couple of years is that, you know, humans are capable of feeling more than one emotion at the same time. Yeah. Um, and as an Olympian, I mean, you are in tip top shape which I think probably, and you can explain better. I mean, when you got diagnosed with cancer, probably came as a shock. Absolutely. Absolutely. My job was to be healthy. 
right? Like they taught the diet and exercise. That's, that's what it takes to, uh, to be healthy, right? Prevent all these diseases and this and that. And then, you know, for, for me and for testicular cancer, that didn't necessarily matter. Um, you know, your, your number is still up, uh, when it is up and, uh, and it was, it was a really tough pill to swallow. Uh, you know, uh, people probably know, or they're discovering now if they're listening to this podcast, testicular cancer is for the most part, a, a young man's disease. And I was smack in the middle of that age. I was 30. I had like, it had been like a couple of weeks after I turned 30 and, uh, and here we go. I have cancer. And that was, you know, just, just hearing those words, or I think the you know, again, this is our inside group here, the vascularized mass right? Like that, that, that rings a bell for all of us. Um, and, and it's kind of where your heart drops a little bit and you're like, it's a, it's a tumor. Uh, I, I got to deal with this. Where were you in the point of your kind of training when you first were diagnosed? Man, I was training well, training really well. It was, so it was, so it was, um, gosh, it was the year before the year before, uh, <laughs> the Olympics or when, we all thought 2020 was going to be the Olympics, of course. Uh, and yeah, I, I was really diving back in, like no pun intended, really diving back in head first. Cause after 2016, four years is a really long time to be 100% engaged into swimming, into recovery, into, uh, you know, 24 seven thinking about my actions, uh, getting reflected in my performance. Right. Uh, so I sort of engaged segment in segments that first year, it was like, I'm going to show up to practice and I'm going to try hard at practice. That second year, it was kind of like, I'm going to show up to practice and I'm going to focus on my recovery a little bit. That third year, you know, that's when it's like, all right, I'm going to show up to practice. I'm going to focus on my recovery. I'm going to work on my, you know, on my diet and some of those other small things that really start to add up and start to matter. Uh, and I was, it, it was, it was starting to show in, in my training. I was starting to go real fast. I was starting to beat people, uh, you know, that it's starting to, you know, they, their times were creeping up on mine because I was getting lazy. Uh, and I was, I was getting back on track to, to where I wanted to be. And, uh, and boom, there you go. You know, you, you, I go to a, a winter nationals and I tell myself, Hey, I noticed something right before that winter nationals, like a, a little like swelling and hardness. And I was like, all right, well, like let's, if this is still an issue by the time I get back home, like I'm going to the doctor and, uh, I, I won the meet. I was swimming pretty fast. I was pretty excited about my times, but I, I come back and, and had to go to the doctor. So that was that. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine the pressure that you must've felt. I mean, cause I know I read something about, there was a former Olympian swimmer that you had mm -hmm. known that went through oh, yeah. testicular cancer. Yeah. Yeah. Eric Shanto. Um, so he was on the 2008 Olympic team with me and, uh, and his story is, is interesting too, because he got diagnosed, um, like pretty early on and pushed surgery out for a couple, I mean, probably about six weeks. Cause I think I'm pretty sure his diagnosis came between Olympic trials and the Olympics. So, I mean, what a, what a tough decision that he had to, to make there. Um, 
and yeah, having his guidance was, was really, really, really helpful. I mean, he had been connected to, you know, Dr. Einhorn, who obviously, as most of us know, started the, or discovered the platinum based uh, chemotherapy. He had talked to, you know, his doctors at USC. Uh, I was fortunate that, you know, we have a teaching hospital out here uh, in UCSF and a guy who's really good with uh, the Da Vinci uh, robot. Um, so I, I did feel good about, about that. And that's, you know, that's one of the things that I advocate for the most is that, Hey, like you got to reach out to as many people that will take your phone call that will respond to your email that will, you know, just be a, a listening ear. Um, and, and if someone doesn't respond or doesn't, uh, you know, initially reciprocate your, 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 uh, communication, go find a different Avenue. Uh, even for me, I mean, I had to, it was really, really hard to get on that UCSF, uh, schedule. Like I called the scheduler probably every day. Uh, at the time I probably knew what his working hours were. I don't anymore off the top of my head. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was a matter of leaving a million different voicemails, uh, asking my doctor, uh, my primary care doc saying, Hey, do you know anybody over there? Do you like, can you like find a way to, to get a hold of them? Um, and that's what it takes, right? Like, again, it's, it's like, you want to get like, once you get diagnosed again, this is a kind of our universal experience. It's like, hurry up and wait, you get diagnosed or you go and you're like, okay, your primary care doc is usually, you know, you have a pretty good relationship with them. Mm -hmm. They can maybe call in, get the ultrasound a little quicker. Uh, cause it's a little bit urgent. Maybe you'll go there first thing in the morning type of thing. But after that, it's like, oh, okay, now you got to get on a urologist schedule. And you have no idea how yeah. backed up they might be right now, especially with, with everything going on and then, and then surgery. So you get on your all just schedule and maybe you get on like on a Wednesday, but then their surgery day is the next Tuesday. And it's like, okay, I just took a week to get on the schedule. And then I have, you know, to wait another week for the first surgery. And then you have another week to wait for pathology. And, you know, my pathology came over the holidays and that just meant it was like, it was actually two weeks yeah. of, uh, wow. of just excruciating waiting time. Um, and yeah, so you, you, you kind of got to be that person. Like, don't be bashful to like, understand that this is your health. You, you can afford to be a little bit annoying, uh, for, uh, for a surgery scheduler. And I think, you know, testicular cancer is still kind of not talked about a little taboo. Um, being on team USA, I mean, you had the former, the former swimmer that you knew, Scott mm -hmm. Hamilton, Lance Armstrong. Did you talk to those guys at all too. And kind of, yeah, their yeah actually totally, totally Lance. Uh, he reached out to me. He shot me a text. Um, I think I've ran across Scott at a, at a event, but we didn't have time to go in depth really about our, our, uh, experiences. Um, and then obviously, you know, Eric and, and to be honest, I mean, even in the swimming world, um, I mean, to your point, even well-known people in the swimming world reached out to me and like, Hey, listen, like most people don't know this, but like me too. Wow. <laughs> um, and, and that happened over and over. And even in the last like four or five months, it's like family friends or, you know, friends of friends. And it's just, they, they, they reach out just kind of wanting to talk to me about my experience and, you know, obviously everyone's is different, but you know, if they happen to have a hundred percent embryonal tumor and live in the Bay area, you know, I can certainly <laughs> talk them through what I went through, but you know, it's, it's just so helpful to have people that actually went through it. Um, and so many people are well-meaning, uh, but 
until you kind of are the one sitting in that seat hearing those words, it, it's, it's, it's just helpful to talk to people who went through it. Yeah. Agreed. Um, let's jump back to when you first noticed something was wrong. I mean, you said it was a little hard and swelling. Were you mm-hmm. checking regularly for, um, I, w- I wish I, I wish I could tell you I was, you know, I wish I could tell you I was, cause I do feel like I'm a pretty uh, health conscious guy, but honestly I wasn't. Um, and it, for me, it was, uh, I think I was cro- like coming down from like a step ladder and just kind of brushed across, you know, my testicles and it, it just like hurt more than it should have given that level of contact. Right. Yeah. We all kind of know what to expect if you hit yourself. And this was more than that. And it lasted more than that. And then, and then I did a self check and then I kind of compared, I was like, Whoa, this guy's, this guy's a little harder. He's a little bigger. Uh, like what's going on here. I'm going to, I'm going to kind of watch it. Um, and then, and then, like I said, I, I went to, I, I went to the meet and the, and the pain went away, of course. Um, and the, and swelling and hardness didn't. So what, I mean, you talked a little bit about like the waiting a week to get into the urologist and everything. Do you remember your exact timeline of events from when you noticed it to when you were, began treatment? Oh, geez. I, I, I don't, I mean, I mean, I know roughly it was, it was right about a week, um, before I, when I first noticed it to getting into my primary care doc, I'm pretty sure that we got the ultrasound on, uh, I, I, I talked to my doc early in the week. We got the ultrasound the next day. He called me when they read the ultrasound. And then the next week I was on the urologist schedule, but that particular urologist had retired from surgery. So then I had to get on another urologist schedule, do a consult and then do surgery. So I can't remember. Yeah. From that first, from that first primary care doc, it was, it was definitely, it was at least two weeks before I was uh, doing surgery though. Talk more about your treatment. I know you had an orchiectomy. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. So orchiectomy. um, And then, like I said, that those results, those, that pathology went to the lab, you know, right during the holidays. So that's a tough time. Um, After that, came back. That was when we were, uh, we, I did a consult with, uh, my original urologist who was at one of the big hospitals around here. And he was like, Hey, listen, like, you know, based off of it was, you know, embryonal and it had with LVI. Uh, so just kind of given those two. Oh, and I think on my, uh, CT scan, one of my lymph nodes was really borderline. You know, it would between depending on the radiologist, they would have said, you know, flagged it or the, another radiologist could have just let it go. Mm-hmm. Um, so based off of all of that, they were kind of they said, hey, you know, of course, you can go on active surveillance if you'd like. But, you know, this is probably something you you should talk through, um, you know, whether you do surveillance, adjuvant chemo or, or continue down the surgery route. And they knew that the Da Vinci robot was just across the Bay. I live in Oakland, but just about across the Bay in San Francisco. Uh, and we have a, a pretty good surgeon, you know, running it who had, had, had achieved some pretty good results with it. Uh, why, why don't you go talk to him? And that's when we <laughs> hounded, uh, his, uh, his scheduler over and over, got in for a consult, uh, did the consult with the uh, oncologist. And we just decided that, Hey, you know, all things considered, um, we felt like the best thing to do was 
do a laparoscopic RPLND. Um, and that's what we did. So I have four little incisions about, you know, centimeter and a half, um, long to pretty small. Uh, and I think we got rid of 35 lymph nodes or so. Um, yeah, it turns out that it was the right decision. Uh, cause I think either two or three of them had cancer cells in them. Um, obviously that one that was kind of a little bigger, that one definitely did. Um, and then after that, you know, because I only had like three and that one that was enlarged, wasn't big enough to trigger a full blown chemo. Um, my options were then active surveillance, or I think it was up to two rounds or maybe I think it was two rounds of what was called. I don't know if it was called adjuvant chemo at that point, but it was like, Hey, active surveillance, you got, you know, you got a pretty, I think, I think they gave me like a 20%. I don't know what these numbers are necessarily based on. Um, but it was a, a lot higher than we wanted it to be. Right. You know, you go do an RPL and D and you're thinking your, your chance of recurrence is going down to, you know, five at at the high level and hopefully down to like 1%, but they were saying, Hey, you know, this is probably around 20%. I was like, Oh, dang it. You know? Um, and that's when, you know, the Olympics, uh, they, they were coming around the corner, right. Cause that was, it would have been a year and a half out at that point going two rounds of, uh, I think it was EP. I, I wish I could remember exactly what it was, but, uh, I mean, that would have knocked me out and it would have yeah. taken a long time to, uh, to recover from that in, in the water. Uh, so I just decided to do the active surveillance thing. Uh, in, Unfortunately, you know, knock on wood, that was, that was over two years ago. Uh, so I'm done with active surveillance now. Awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. I appreciate it. And I think I read that you, you banked sperm, right? I did. Yes. And you have a daughter. Did you conceive naturally or did you use the, we did. Okay. We did. We did conceive naturally. Uh, but yeah, no, that's definitely, that's should be a, a top of mind for anybody. Uh, certainly, uh, it's pretty quick and easy and they do make time for people, uh, you know, like us who have to do it for a, a medical reason. So I certainly encourage, encourage that. That was one of, one of the first things you think of. Yeah. In survivorship. And obviously you have this large platform. Um, I mean, what is your role now? Do you feel to, you're obviously on this podcast, spreading awareness mm-hmm. when you can, I mean, what, what does that look like for you? Yeah. I mean, it it is kind of just here, there and everywhere. And it comes in waves, really. It'll, I'll go a month and forget that I had cancer. And then the next month it'll be like, you know, podcast here and let's go do this event here. And then, you know, people are reaching out of the woodwork here and there because, you know, a family member got diagnosed and they just want to talk through things. And, and then it'll go another two or three months of, of really quiet. And then it'll, it'll all of a sudden kind of come up again. Um, so that's kind of, it's kind of a the waves that you're, that you're riding. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and I think we have a couple charity events, um, coming up a couple swims. It's not, you know, specific to, uh, to testicular cancer research, but just cancer research in general. Um, you know, always happy to, to lend a hand or, or hop in a pool, uh, if the, if the timing allows to, to raise some money. That's awesome. You always have an uh, open invitation to testicular cancer awareness foundation events. If you, if you want to come. All right. 
we do virtual you. stuff and and with covid we haven't done any in-person conferences but that's yeah i know so. I, would, I would love to it'd be uh it'd be great once we can you know safely i mean i have a i'm, I'm vaccinated but i have a you know a young one at home and yeah still trying to be as careful as we can these days yeah do you want to shout out any of your doctors in the bay area who um did the laparoscopic surgery which i do want to talk more about after yeah, yeah absolutely. Dr. Mang and Dr. Agarwal. So I, Dr. Agarwal, he's, he was on the, I think he's on the testicular, like the tumor board. Uh, so that was really helpful to, to talk with him and Dr. Mang. just, you know, the, the, the online reviews uh, speak for themselves, but I'm just another one, you know, shouting from my soapbox, like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I mean, just the amount of time that he, like, he's a busy guy. I'm pretty sure he operates like five times a week, five days a week, or maybe four and a half days a week. Wow. Uh, you know, he's, he's in high demand just because he's so good. And, and even still when he is doing, you know, seeing you in the office, you, it's always relaxed. You're sitting down, he's taking his time and he's asking you like, do you have any more questions? And he's, and he's waiting for you to respond to it. Not just like, Hey, do you have any more questions? Okay. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> yeah, yeah, awesome. uh, and so that was just so, so, so helpful. Uh, and you know, I, I'm really, really grateful for that, but I mean, definitely shout out to them. Sweet. And uh, Dr. Huey, not I mean, our primary care doc who, uh, who can, who can forget, you know, the, he gets, he set those wheels in motion. He primed me for what it could be. Uh, and yeah, just, it was, it was, I, I'm very fortunate for the care that I had. Awesome. Let's talk more about the laparoscopic RPLND because you're the first one I've talked to that has had that. So, oh. I mean, was there an option to do like kind of the o- whole open stomach or it was straight mm-hmm. to the, um, laparoscopic? It was, it was. So I think the, right, the, the treatment tree or whatever, whatever they call it would, would have you look at surveillance, uh, adjuvant chemo or RPLND open RPLND laparoscopic. So I guess there's those four options there. And the open one was, it was an option, but it wasn't one that, you know, we were really prepared to explore given my circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think the the jury is still out whether or not, you know, laparoscopic versus open, you know, ha, is more efficacious. But in, in my particular case, it was like, let's, let's try to exhaust all, low impact surgical options possible. Um, and then go do, you know, the kind of chemical treatments, you know, if necessary. Um, and yeah, so I, I felt fortunate that we had one near me. What was the recovery like for that? And obviously there's a disclaimer that you are like in peak <laughs> performance condition. But yes. I mean, yes. <laughs> Yeah. 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 No, absolutely. Absolutely. That's definitely a disclaimer. And even the doctors are saying, Hey, like, you know, I, I wasn't like Wolverine out there or anything, but, um, I stayed one night in the hospital, of course, you know, the worst night of sleep, uh, <laughs> ever. Cause they just wake you up every hour. Um, and the next day. So I think, I think typically, uh, they, they say, or at UCSF, the patient stayed two nights in the hospital, but Dr. Meng was kind of like, Hey, you know, you're in pretty good shape. You know, if you look good after that first night, uh, you know, and you're, you're scooting around and, and feeling all right. And all your, all your, you know, the vitals or whatever look good. Like we can send you home. 
Uh, and I was like, yes, you know, right. It just gave me that goal to like to work towards, you know, force myself to drink water when I wasn't thirsty, all, all that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, the next day I basically just like was, I think first thing that when in the morning rounds, I was just like, okay, Hey, like Dr. Meng said, like, I could maybe go home today. Yeah. What do you guys think? And they're like, oh, like, look, look at the chart. They're like, usually we have people in for uh, for two days. So <laughs> let me let me go go check on that. I was like, okay, cool. But he did say today, just so you know. Um, <laughs> and uh, I mean, that first either the first day, yeah, that first day I did. I tried to walk, uh, but I mean, I I definitely with my little IV bag and stuff, and my wife right there, and I you know, made about 10 steps until I kind of blacked out a little bit. I had to get a chair and sit down. Uh, no shame in that. Right. I mean, yeah. I think that's, that's a universal experience probably yeah. for, for most of us. Um, but man, I had to try. And then it was like, okay, fine. I made 10 steps, baby. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go rest up. I'm going to take a nap, but I'm going to take 20 next time. Um, and that's kind of how, that's kind of how my, uh, recovery went. And you know, it was, uh, I mean, I, in terms of, I didn't have, you know, I get, like I said, I had four little baby incisions like that. I was very bloated, very distended. Um, my entire like left abs, like all of them <laughs> just like wouldn't work. They were completely turned off for a long time. And I'm actually still dealing with stuff. Um, like to this day, right. I th- again, like we all, you know, you get cut through your abdominal wall, at this at this point it was five different times like there's just going to be a lot of weird coordination issues you have with your core and i don't know if anybody else has this but my left foot doesn't sweat it's super weird wow. uh yeah they said i mean the doctor friends that i i've said they just said they uh we probably just kind of you know touched or affected a autonomic you know nerve run down the leg and yeah my left foot's completely like super dry like if I'm on hardwood, I can like run and slide with it. Wow. <laughs> uh, yeah. Super weird. Fun fact about me, I guess. Um, yeah. So, but it was, yeah, I mean, I was home, uh, day two and moving around fine. I, I, you know, climbed up the one set of stairs from the car to get into the house. Um, but you know, getting out of bed was a chore. Certainly, I'd say it was a lot like the orchiectomy, really, uh, in terms of the recovery for from that. Yeah, that's great. It's not that bad. Um, mm. Relative, <laughs> of course, um, of course, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, how long was it until you got back in the pool and and fourteen days? Oh, wow. <laughs> that's... They wanted. They were really, really careful uh, with. They just wanted to make sure again, just because we were cutting all the way to like, you know, in, into my body that everything was just hundred percent sealed. Um, you know, the worst thing you could, you know, getting in at day 10 versus day 14, like has very, very marginal benefits in terms of like physiology and performance. But if we got an infection or something, you know, that would just set you back months. So that was, that was really, we were really, really careful about that. But I mean, I was doing rehab, um, probably in day three or day four. Uh, and you know, it wasn't, it was, you know, doing shoulder exercises, getting cupping stuff done on my upper body, that, that kind of stuff. Um, and you know, 
it, that, it was helpful certainly, uh, to keep my shoulders healthy, all that good stuff. But really I think more than anything, it was emotionally what I needed at the time. Um, you know, for me, there's just nothing, nothing worse for my mental health than to sit alone in the dark, you know, this way I was, I was going into Cal, I was at that training room. I was seeing the football team do their thing. I was seeing, you know, lacrosse team do their thing. Uh, and just in the rehab room with a bunch of people with sports injuries, you know what I'm used to. Um, and, and that was really, really, really those, those, you know, one or two hours a day was really important for me emotionally. Let's talk about mental because as we know with the, um, Tokyo, I mean, obviously it's different with Simone Biles, but you guys have like mm-hmm. this really intense, like competitive mindset. So did that at all, you think fuel some of your recovery? Um, I don't think it necessarily fueled my recovery, but that mindset and how I approach the sport certainly, um, helped me approach my treatment. Um, and, and so many ways, you know, swimming and sports in general, there's so much you can't control. Right. And it's just like such a hard lesson to really learn. Like you can hear it over and over. Um, but to actually learn it, understand it, appreciate it, and then kind of execute, um, you know, plans based off of that knowledge is, is something different. Uh, so that's, that was really important for me, right? It's like, listen, I know these facts about other people in my situation at a population level, right? And from those, you know, statistics and probabilities, I can make my decision. And even if it was a wrong decision, given all the information, it was the right thing for me. Mm-hmm. And, and that was something that I needed basically so I could sleep. Right. Because if you, if you let your head spin about that stuff, Oh my gosh, I had a little backache today. Maybe it spread to my back and grew really fast. Right. Or something like that. Or I coughed once today. It's in my lungs. Oh my gosh. I definitely need to do adjuvant chemo or something. Right. Like that's, those are the thoughts that uh, I think we probably all had. Yeah. Uh, and, and I, I had to do my best to say, no, like listen to your doctors, do your own research and then talk to, you know, other people who are, are knowledgeable and then make the best decision based off of that information. And if you do that, then you can, again, you can sleep well at night, even if it was the wrong decision. Like even if I did have a, a real recurrence, you know, um, a year after my laparoscopic RPLND, I obviously I would have been sad, of course. Uh, but it, it's not like, it's not like I'd be like, Oh, I, I if I could have gone back, I, I would have known it. I, I needed to know it or, or something like that. Like I didn't. And, and that's something that I had to be really comfortable with. And, and sports teaches you that because yeah so many times you are competing against other people that you can't control. And, you know, in swimming, you can't control what they're doing. Can't, can't control how well of us, how well their season is going. Uh, all of that, even, you know, team sports too, you know, they might just have a better team, even though you're the best player out in the field, but dang, you can still try hard. You can still do your best. Yeah, that's great. That's great. 
bit of information you just gave. Um, (laughs) (laughs) what, um, what does the future look like for you? Are you looking to Paris? Are you looking just to, I know you own this, um, swimming club that you just, yeah, we're at, well, I'm at the pool right now. Uh, we're working. We're getting ready for our summer sessions uh, around here. Everybody starts getting their their summer schedules lined up in January, which is crazy. <laughs> um, but I'm I'm in shape right now. I mean, I could easily hop back in and you know three or four weeks be be at a at a good place. But I'm not. I wouldn't call what I'm doing like training training to compete on the world stage. Yeah. Um, I have I haven't gotten that itch quite yet. But, uh, just for, again, like my own mental health and just for, for myself, I, uh, I just like to, you know, lift some weights and, and swim every day, uh, just to, to, just to be healthy. And, you know, again, it's kind of one of those things, man, if I, if I, like I did, of course I wanted to be there in, in Tokyo, I, unfortunately I missed it, but, um, if I start seeing world championships and other, other meets and I'm like, yeah, I, I want to be there, uh, I, I might hop back in. We'll see. Well, best of luck if you do. And if not, you know, incredible what you've done. <laughs> Thank you. Um, do you have any advice for anybody who might be staring down the, the gun of testicular cancer really quick? This thing's telling me we're going to run out of time here in four minutes and 20 seconds. So, Oh yeah, shoot. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, Hey, I, I think like talk it out. Don't, don't keep it in. Uh, whether it be, you know, reaching out to somebody you might know. Um, I mean, just read, shoot, you can reach out to me on my Instagram if you want. I do, I do my best. I'm not the most responsive person ever, but certainly if there's a testicular cancer one in there, I, I do my best to try to respond and get back to him as soon as possible. It's Nathan G Adrian, uh, is, is that Instagram handle. Um, but yeah, it, it, that certainly made me feel better as I talk to people going through it. Um, I, I can't recommend that enough. Cool. Well, hey, thank you again so much for taking the time to talk and uh, look forward to, to seeing what the future holds for you. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. For more information and resources for your testicular cancer journey, visit testiculacancerawarenessfoundation.org. You can also follow us on social media at Testis Cancer. We're on Facebook at Testicular Cancer Awareness Foundation.